Open your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Some have said that Texas is heaven on earth. Uh, I, I would agree that we're probably closer than any other state. But until God does away with allergies, we aren't in heaven. So maybe this has been a tough two weeks for you. I usually come down with allergies after Labor Day. This could be a bad fall. It's already hit. But bear with me as we, uh, as we move forward this morning. We're in a series on what every Christian should know. And are, there are some things every Christian should know. We've agreed with that. And, and so t- we're looking at those things. The first Sunday we talked about are you, are you a Christian for certain? And then we talked about what every Christian should know about the Bible, what every Christian should know about God, what every Christian should know about Jesus. Which then brings us to today, what every Christian should know about the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read this morning from John chapter 14, then I'm going to read three, uh, uh, four verses from Romans chapter 8. They'll all be on the screen, or you can follow from your Bible. And let's stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 14, Jesus has already told His disciples that He's going away. They are majorly concerned about that and not understanding what that means, going away. And so Jesus is giving them, in this passage, the promise of the Comforter, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. So here are His words, verse 15. If you love Me, keep My commands, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him, love them, and show myself to them. Now, if you'll scroll down to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Please read the rest of the chapter this afternoon. And then if you will look at Romans chapter 8, either in your Bible or on the screen, Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 9. Paul writes, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Paul is reminding us that as believers, the Spirit of the living God dwells in our hearts. And we remember that every day of our life. You may be seated. Now, I have four questions I want to ask this morning as we think about what every Christian should know about the Holy Spirit. And the first question is this, who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? It is, the question is not what is he, but who is he? The Holy Spirit is God, the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three in one. Not three gods, but one God presented as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We may not, in our finiteness, grasp every nuance of the Trinity, but we can understand God showing Himself in three ways. Now, through the years, I have used a multitude of comparisons to try to illustrate the Holy Spirit, illustrate the Trinity. And as I reflect on most of them, they're not very good. There really isn't, there really is not a way to illustrate the Trinity or the Holy Spirit that's totally accurate in every aspect. But maybe all of us can understand this, the, 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 the fact that God as the Trinity shows himself as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. For instance, I am one man. I'm not three men. I'm one man. But as one man, I am a husband to my wife, Sharon. I am a father to my two children. And I am a son to my late parents. So I'm not three people. I'm one person seen three ways. Now, we're talking today about the living Spirit of God. And because He is a person, we can treat Him as a person. Meaning we can receive Him. We can listen to Him. We can obey Him. We can resist Him. We can grieve Him, we can honor Him, or we can mock Him. And all of these are in the Scripture where people have related to or toward the Holy Spirit in each of these ways. Paul said in Ephesians 5.18, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Remember, we are not filled with an influence. We're not filled with a sensation. We're not filled with a feeling. We are not filled with an idea. We are not filled with a blessing. We're filled with a person. And the person is the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God. So, God is three persons. Each person is God fully God, and there is one God. 
Now we wrap our arms around that as far as our finite arms can reach. But we understand clearly that the Scripture teaches clearly the three-in-one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And by the end of the message today, we will have dealt with all three of persons of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So who is He? We've dealt with that. So let's ask a second question. What is He like? What is He like? The Holy Spirit. What is He like? Does He have a personality? Absolutely He does. He's a person. He has personality. He has a will, a plan, and a purpose. Uh, 1 Corinthians, I'll be throwing out lots of verses today, just like I've been doing the last two weeks. So follow me or jot them down. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He's been talking about the gifts of the Spirit, Paul has. All of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them, that's the gifts of the Spirit, he distributes them to each one just as he will or as he determines. So we learn that the Holy Spirit has a will, he has a plan and a purpose. Also, we know that the Holy Spirit has understanding and knowledge. The Holy Spirit has understanding and knowledge. Romans 8 uh, 27 tells us, He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So we read there that the Holy Spirit has understanding and knowledge. Then if you turn over a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Beginning with verse 10, Paul says, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Our understanding of Scripture, our understanding of God the Father and and God the Son comes from the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts and our minds through the Scripture. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. He has understanding and knowledge. So what you understand today comes through the Holy Spirit. That is one of the multitude of things that He does in your life and in mine as we are His followers of Christ. Now, Romans 15.30 tells us that the Holy Spirit loves. He is the Spirit of love. And so today, you are loved, Christian, you are loved by the Holy Spirit. Also, the Scripture tells us in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20, that the Spirit is good. In, in Nehemiah 9, 20, it pronounces that the Spirit of God is, is good. Now, we would say, of course, but it is scriptural. It's right there in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20. The Spirit of God is good. 
as a person, we discover in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, that the Holy Spirit can be lied to. Anyone ever lied to you? Have you ever lied to anybody? The Holy Spirit can be lied to. If you remember Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and, and how Peter said, why have you conspired to lie to the Holy Spirit? And we can lie to the Holy Spirit. People can lie to the Holy Spirit. He is a person, and he can be lied to. He can be resisted and tested, but not to sin. In, in Acts chapter 5, verse 9, in that story of Ananias and Sapphira, Peter, Peter said, why have you done this? Why have you conspired together to test the Holy Spirit. Why have you done this? So we understand that the Holy Spirit can be can be tested. And as I reflect upon Ananias and Sapphira, suddenly I sense somebody stepping on my toes or maybe a little higher kicking my shins. And I think, oh, wait a minute. Has there ever been a time in my walk with God that I have resisted or that I have tested the Holy Spirit or or even lied to to the Holy Spirit. And so always the scripture comes back. You know, we, we talk it and we teach it, but it always comes back. And if my if my fingers ever doing this, you, you know the old saying, if my fingers ever doing this, all these fingers are pointing back at me. I've already been through, waded through all of this in preparing the message. Now I'm having to wade through it again, knowing that all those fingers are pointing back at me. So the Holy Spirit can be lied to, he can be tested, he can be resisted. Stephen, in his magnificent sermon before the the leaders of Israel, said to them, Why, why, why have you and your fathers resisted the Holy Spirit over and over and over again? And instead of answering the questions, they stoned him to death. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says. He can be grieved. He can be insulted. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29 says, Do not insult the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. Ah, yes. Matthew twelve thirty-one. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Stop, time out. What is that? We've talked about it before many times. What is the work of the Holy Spirit? The work of the Holy Spirit is to point to Jesus. And the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart, to, to the heart of an unbeliever is to call and woo and draw. And so blasphemy of the Holy Spirit would be when a person says no to the Holy Spirit for the last time. No, 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 no. And the last no is that final blasphemy of the Holy Spirit for which there is no forgiveness. So the Holy Spirit has personality. He is a person. He is like God because He is God. He's like Jesus because He is Jesus. And so we observe carefully in the Scripture what he's like. Now, leads to the third question. What does he do? What does he do? What does the Holy Spirit do? 
Does he do anything? Oh, yes. He does a lot. What did he do in the Old Testament? Is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Yes, certainly he is. For example, Genesis 1-2 tells us that he was present at creation. In Job chapter 33, verse 4, Job says that it is the Holy Spirit who gives man the very breath of life. In elsewhere in the Old Testament, we read that the Holy Spirit equipped people for God's work. A couple of examples would be Samson and Gideon, where the Scripture says the Holy Spirit empowered them for the task to which God had called them. Now, an enormous difference between the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit and the New Testament is that after Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit comes inside to indwell us who are followers of Christ, whereas in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon men and women and empower them to some responsibility. But for us, the side of the cross, the joyous privilege of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us forever. David. David speaks of his presence and guidance, the presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And so the Holy Spirit is definitely evident in the Old Testament, repeatedly. What about in the New Testament? Holy Spirit in the New Testament? He certainly is. We find that he is present at the conception of Jesus. We find the Virgin Mary singing a song about the child of the Holy Spirit, that is Jesus, We read in numerous places that Jesus drew strength and comfort and encouragement from the Spirit of God. We read that the Holy Spirit was present at Jesus' baptism. We read that the Spirit of God was taught about by Jesus in John 14, 15, and 16. If you want a synopsis of what the Holy Spirit is all about, then when you go home today, read John 14, 15, and 16, and you'll have it. Jesus teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the parting gift that he spoke of. I'm going away. I won't be here with you anymore. I'm not going to be in the room anymore. But I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you as orphans. Understand that I'm giving you a promise. There is one coming. It is the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God will indwell you. You will not be left alone. You will not be orphans. I will be with you to the very end of the age in the person of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that magnificent? What an encouragement it must have been to the disciples once they finally understood that. As Jesus said it, I'm not confident at all that they fully understood what he was saying. They were pretty wide-eyed, I suspect, but after the resurrection, after the ascension, then they understood what Jesus was talking about. And also, the Holy Spirit made himself known on the day of Pentecost in great, great power and authority with thousands coming to faith in Christ in that time. Peter says the Holy Spirit oversaw the revealing and the writing of Scripture. I think we were here four weeks ago, Second Peter 1. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by whom? 
by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is evident in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is evident in the New Testament. And the responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus. So what does the Holy Spirit do today? What does he do now? Does he have any relationship at all to unbelievers? Well, here's the relationship that the Holy Spirit has to unbelievers. He draws unbelievers to Jesus. In John chapter 6, uh, verse 44, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. And who is it that the Father uses to draw people to Jesus? It is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws people to Jesus. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who draws people to Jesus. Do you remember it? Do you remember when the Holy Spirit began to speak to you? And to draw you to Jesus? And that day came when you said, Yes, to Jesus. It wasn't because you dreamed up the idea that you ought to give your life to Christ. It's that the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said, You need a Savior. His name is Jesus. Will you receive Him today? And you did. The Holy Spirit draws unbelievers to Jesus. Listen, this is a sidebar. But it's worth mentioning. That's why we can witness in confidence. Sometimes we get so, I do, I've been, I've been sharing the gospel with people for more years than you need to know. And, and, And so I still get nervous. I do. I mean, true confession. I still get nervous when I share the gospel with somebody. But listen, relax. What's your job? Did God say to you, well, Mr. Holy Spirit, go out there and you better do it well. No. You share what you know. You share the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And then it's the Holy Spirit's work from there. Have you seen it? There have been times... When I have seen someone share the gospel, and quite frankly, it was the worst presentation of the gospel I've ever heard in all my life. And then the person prays to receive Christ, and I'm thinking, hallelujah. Well, it never was about the presenter. It was about the Holy Spirit. So share freely and in confidence. You're not gonna, you're not gonna butcher it, even though the pastor just said he heard somebody do it. No, you're not gonna butcher it. You just share what you know. And then it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Leave it to Him. Takes all the pressure off your shoulders. He draws people to Jesus. He reveals God to unbelievers, according to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. 
He brings unbelievers into the family of God, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Listen, listen to this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to son sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, me? Yes, me, you, yes, Abba, Father. You're my Father, I love you, thank you. All because the Holy Spirit came into your life at that moment of salvation and, and you belong to Him. And it is, it is the Holy Spirit who brought, brought you as an unbeliever into the family of God. Well, what does He do with believers? What does the Spirit of God do with us? Well, the Scripture tells us a whole bunch of things, and so I won't cover them all. So, yes, when the sermon's over today, you don't need to come forward and say, hey, you forgot this, this. Is, I, no, I didn't forget. I just remember we've got Sunday school in a few minutes, and I can't say it all in one sermon, okay? But, but here's what I think is really important this morning. To us as believers, He indwells every believer. Uh, Romans 8, 9 through 11, 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Acts 2, 38. He indwells every believer. You remember in, in, in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6, Paul says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Whoa. Yep. Inside this flesh and blood dwells the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul wrote that to say, behave yourself. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't be doing things you shouldn't do. And, yep, we need to remember that. But just think of the marvel and the magnificence of the fact that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. Wow. He leads, counsels, and comforts, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. He empowers According to Acts verse chapter one, verse eight, I, I, you know these illustrations. You know they're just not real good. But I, I did bring, I brought a glove. Pretty woolly. Wear it about once every four years in Texas, but there it is. Belongs to somebody named Nautica. I don't know how I got up with it, but anyway. Uh, but it is a special glove because it can do it can do lots of things and it can pick things up. You want to see? All right, watch. I'm going to, it's going to pick up my Bible. Come on. Come on. You know, every time I try something, that's what happens. I want to be different. Uh, I want to do something different. And that's what happens. The glove is supposed to pick up my Bible. It's not doing anything. What's the deal here? Oh, wait a minute. What does the Scripture say? Be filled with the Holy Spirit and picks up my Bible. It's kind of rough illustration, but you get it? Filled by the Holy Spirit, God enables and empowers us to do what He calls us to do. Because I'll tell you this, I may have I've been preaching for forty something years and I don't have I don't have what it takes inside of me to do this week after week after week after week without the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm absolutely helpless and hopeless. And I remember that. When I get up here, I don't walk up and say, ha, 
I've been doing this a long time. I've got this made in the shade. No way, not today, not ever. I understand that apart from the Spirit, I cannot do this. And whatever it is that He calls on you and me to do, He empowers us. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin, according to Psalm 51 and a whole bunch of other passages. He encourages us, according to Romans 8.16. He intercedes for us, according to Romans 8.26 and 27, both for us and on behalf of us. He intercedes to the Father for you and for me. He makes us one in Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. One of the great joys that our mission teams have is they go out and, and when they encounter believers in other countries, is just a joyous, amazing thing. And, and we remember, I can't speak the language and we don't look alike and we don't necessarily act alike, but we're brothers and sisters in Christ and all of that because the Holy Spirit makes us one in Christ. The Holy Spirit seals and guarantees us our salvation, Ephesians 1.13. Don't lose sight of that. Holy Spirit comes in, puts a seal on the transaction and says, you belong to me forever. You remember, you know, if the responsibility were yours to hold on to God. Yep, I've got fairly large hands, but I'll tell you, if it were left up to me, I couldn't hold on to God. There have been many times when I would have let go. I would have jerked away numerous times. I want to do my own thing. But he holds on to me. He holds on to you. He seals, the Holy Spirit seals us. And the last thing I want to say, among a million other things I could say, is that he gives gifts of the Spirit. According to 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 8, and Ephesians 4. Every one of us who are believers have at least a gift of the Spirit. Some have more than one. And he gives those gifts of the Spirit as he wills. And so it's not like you argue with God saying, why didn't I get that gift? He does what he knows is best, and we receive and accept and then exercise that gift for what? To make us look good? Oh, no. For the building up of the body of Christ, the church. So, use and develop your gifts. It brings us to the last question. What should we do with all this that we know about the Holy Spirit? What should we do? If you're not yet a believer in Christ... Maybe you've come today just wondering what we do around here. Or maybe God's been speaking to you and that's you, he's drawn you to this place. I, if you've not yet trusted Jesus as your Savior, then it is the Spirit of God who draws you to Christ. And when you have a room with this many people, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that there are some here who do not yet know Jesus. If that person is you, Spirit of God's wooing and calling, give your heart to Christ today. What about believers? Four things. Watch. Watch where the Spirit moves and follow Him. Number two, listen to what He says to you. The prompting of the Spirit, the still small voice, through the reading of Scripture, through your prayer time, the Spirit of God moving, directing, pushing, 
Sometimes he shoves you, but most of the time it's a gentle push. Listen. Obey. Number three, obey. Obey what he tells you to do. Obey the Spirit of God. And number four, exercise. Exercise what? Exercise your spiritual gift or gifts. That's what we do in relationship to the Holy Spirit. So let's bow our heads together. What every Christian should know about the Holy Spirit. So we offer an invitation. As Brother Gary leads us, we do this every Sunday in both services because we believe there's someone to whom the Spirit is speaking today. And if that person is you, then when we stand in a moment, I ask you to leave your seat, come and place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you, open God's Word to share with you. And today you can receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Don't wait for another day, but the Spirit speaks, you come. Father, those of us who know, who already know you, through your Son Jesus, rejoice and thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would call and woo and draw someone to yourself this morning. In the Savior's name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.